galloping that horse cross country, he gave you the this most incredible feeling of ease and just effortless jumping and uh, amazing gallop. And it was just at the end of his career, it just got to a point where it was just amazing. He just wanted to gallop down and jump the course and just cruise around. It was just a blast. So I, I would take another ride on that horse any day. Not in the dressage, but definitely the cross country. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. And Karen, I'm super excited. We have a very special guest, a four-star eventer by popular demand. Popular demand. We have been getting messages left and right. We have to get this guest on. So <laughs> here we go. By popular demand, the great Bobby Meyerhoff. Bobby, welcome, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. You are a popular guy, buddy. We have message after message of people wanting to get you on. All right. <laughs> now, truth be told, Karen. Yes. I insisted this interview be done remotely because we are speaking with the 2017 Sideline Magazine's Hot oh, Horseman. So I do not want Bobby anywhere near my wife, just in case. No, come on. <laughs> uh, what a way to open an interview, right? To start off right yeah. off making you blush. No kidding. And, uh, uh, truth be told, one of your popular requests said that we have to bring that up. So we live. <laughs> what was that experience like being a, a hot horseman of uh, 2017? <laughs> oh, it was kind of funny. You know, it was a little bit of a shock when I found out and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things you know you see uh sexiest man alive on uh on the news and on the magazines of all those uh george clooney's out there you know there you go, and i was like all right well i guess i guess i gotta be proud of this a little bit for for being an inventor why not yeah bobby is sandwiched right between george clooney and like brad pitt right and, like, right wall of hot, hot, hottest guys right I, you're not gonna find me on that wall Cameron. that's for sure oh, <laughs> I, I'm a little younger than those guys, so I'm doing all right. There you go. <laughs> and do you have a choice in the matter? Like when you get nominated, can you say, like, if you're like a shy person, can you say absolutely no way, or or, or is it just like the magazine comes out and there you are? Oh yeah, no, they they contacted me and asked, and you know, you know, it's a little weird, but I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. You know, <laughs> Why not? Uh, that's awesome, oh, awesome, that's awesome. Funny. So, Bobby, where are um, where are you right now? Right now, I am just outside of Ocala, uh, Florida. Nice. Next to the big hits showgrounds because oh, wow, my okay. wife is a show jumper. And so our places that we rent here for the winter is right across the street from hits. Oh, perfect. So she nice. can like, hack right on in? Yeah, I mean, well, she could, but it's a little dangerous crossing 27. Oh, so you're she on the side of 27. Okay. With a trailer. Yeah. 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 So you're still so fired at, up. Yeah, there's a, there's a new place that was just built and there's a big you know uproar about it because it's a really nice cross-country field to school um barn staple south um that derek strine the owner from pennsylvania has built and so i'm at the property that he owns that he's just put on the market and he's just finished this other property actually that backs up to the hit showgrounds and he's got a new cross-country field and it's really beautiful and new barns and he's doing some 
some cross country derbies um, this year for the first time. And, you know, he's slowly building it up to make it something special that everybody can partake in down here for the winter season. That's awesome. Karen, I think we met him. I think so. Yeah. I think Over we the did. summer, we met him. He was walking around Boyd's cross country yeah, yeah. course. Yeah. He was checking it out just to see how he wanted to make his down here. Yeah. Super nice fella. It sounded yeah. like he, he, you know, we, we talked to him just for a little bit. We were just random stalkers on Boyd's cross country. So we, <laughs> well, <not really. laughs> we, said, we said hello and he, he started telling us how he was just researching his cross country. So that's pretty cool. Small world. Yeah. yeah. It sounds yeah. like it's all, we haven't been down to Ocala this winter. So we didn't really see is all the, is there a lot of construction going on with the new like World Equestrian Center and all that stuff going up? Yeah, there is, but that's a different part of town, a little bit um, just down the road. Um, hopefully, that's up and running next year, or the year after. I think that's pretty That'd cool. That'd be nice, man. Tell yeah. you what, that's the place to be. Holy smokes! It is for these winter months when it's freezing and snowing <laughs> everywhere else. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we, we were stuck up here. We, we're down here. We're down here sweating. Oh, that sounds pretty good right now. When do you come back north, or do you stay down year round? Well, no, I, no. I, I uh, for the summer I live in North Carolina. I've lived there since 2015. Um, every year is a little different timing when we go back up. Uh, I've stayed down here till Kentucky. The years that I rode there, um, last year I went home. I started transitioning horses home after Carolina because I'll take horses next week up to Carolina, and then usually I take those horses home and then drive back down here, spend another week, get everything packed up, take the other horses home. So we have to make several trips, so it's kind of a big production. Yeah. Um, yeah. This year, since the weather's been kind of rotten up there, that I'm going to come back to Ocala after Carolina and spend a few extra weeks down here and then head up maybe the middle of April, maybe the end of April. haven't really decided yet. Sounds like a great plan yes, to me. Sure Heck does. yeah. We'll see you in Carolina. We'll be there in just Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, next awesome. week. So you'll see next week. You'll, you'll see us come run up to you and snap a snap a picture with you or something. All right. That sounds awesome. good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope this crazy big guy. Oh gosh, I hope so too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been there when it's been thirty some degrees and uh, I've been there when it's been nice and sunny and warm. So I'm just hoping uh, no snow or freezing temps or rain. Uh, let's hope for a beautiful day at least for us oh my <laughs> oh, i need it i'm due i've been trapped up here too long so hey yeah. bobby we always like to kind of get back to the origin story how did you get your start in riding and eventing in this whole crazy life you live now what was the early bobby meyerhoff story well uh my mother rode before i was born and she also rode when i was born and i come from little town well i grew up in a little town called clayton in california and it's about an hour or so east of san francisco where i was born and i've got four brothers and we were all introduced to horses and i'm the only one out of the five of us who really took in and loved horses from the get-go and so from an early age of four years old my grandmother and my mother took me to these horse shows it was the poa circuit ponies of america oh yeah and it was like western and english and Jim Canna and kind of everything and i just remember these horse shows kind of having everything going on at the same time and you could enter flat classes for english flat classes for western you could do the games you could do the show jumping rounds you could do kind of all sorts of stuff and my grandmother at the time bred 
POAs. And so she always had these ponies. And there's pictures. I, I have very few memories at, at four years old at these horse shows, but I was actually competing in these shows at four. Wow. And some of the memories that I had, do have are, you know, my Western get-ups that I had. I had some, like, crazy flame shirts and <laughs> big cowboy hats and fancy boots and belt buckles and all that that oh, I would yes. wear. <laughs> and then I just remember, you know, lining up like they do in the Hunters when you get the awards in the middle after the class. Mm-hmm. I was winning bags of silver dollars. And I thought, as a four-year-old, I was like, wow, I'm winning money this yeah. is oh, awesome wow that's how i'd be so, yeah. that's when you get was, an event today <laughs> oh yeah and, and i mean be, be, being a young boy and, and the majority surrounded by all these girls i was like this is the place for me man. I'm, <laughs> I'm winning money and i'm hanging out with all the girls i'm, I'm set I'm, oh. I'm into it so i was hooked i was hooked then and and i did that circuit for i don't even know how long to be honest and the transition from doing that to English primarily was um, I was riding with an instructor in Brentwood who was coaching me in Western lessons, and then she had moved away. So my mother found me a a barn to go ride at and, and you know, lease a horse or sponsor a horse. Um, in the meantime, I think I was seven years old, and... I moved to this barn and they had a pony club out of this barn and um, the pony club was called Morgan Territory Pony Club. It was in Brentwood, California. Um, it was, the barn was called Creekside and it was uh, owned by uh, a woman called Marilyn Groney and her da- daughter, Kathy Robertson, was uh, one of the trainers. And I pretty much grew up riding there from seven or eight years old and joining the pony club to I think I was there until I was at least 15 years old. Wow. Hmm. And so the, I just grew up riding at this place and getting lessons, doing dressage and jumping and being in the pony club. It, it, it just happened to be an eventing barn primarily. So it's like I grew up riding there and doing eventing and then started going to an event, all the eventing shows in California because that's what that barn did. And I just never got out of it you know i've been eventing since i was nine i did my first uh, actual event when i was nine at a uh, little show called oakridge um which i believe is still there eve sauvignon um who's from france he used to own the place and run his business out of there and it, he did some more shows some recognized shows uh later on i think and uh, that was my first event and just kind of took off and here i am now wow, wow. Holy cow. Yeah. God, God bless Pony Club. Was that a big transition for you to go from Western to the English? Did it bother you having to wear like a helmet and two hands? You know, to be honest, it didn't It didn't matter to me at all. I mean, at that age, I didn't care what I was doing. I just wanted to be on a horse. You know, I, I could ride the ponies around bareback, and I didn't really care what was the saddle was or what I had to wear. I just wanted to ride, and I don't remember feeling any – any difference you know what which sport i was doing i just wanted to be on a horse gotcha that's awesome and so i i got into it you know and and liked the jumping and liked the the stuff that pony club taught because we got to do all the horse management we had our we had a really cool 
um, club. You know, on the weekends, everybody would get together and we'd do lunch and we'd do our horse management lessons. And, you know, now after seeing a lot of different pony clubs, I, I think I'm very fortunate because the club that I was in was really well structured and really well run. And, and it was very educational for all the young kids. So that's awesome. It sounds like, yeah. like a real club atmosphere with like a weekly kind of get together type atmosphere. Yeah, it was cool. And they, they were strict, you know, they were strict enough about, you know, what we had to do and what we had to wear. And, you know, it was proper. It, it, yeah. They taught us a lot, you know, yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't lax and it wasn't, um, you know, looked at lightly, I guess I would say. That's awesome. Do you remember what, uh, like rating you got up to in Pony Club? Yeah. So I was a C2 and I was studying and, and getting ready to take my C3 when I ended up moving and I was then, you know, aiming towards young riders instead of okay. pony club ratings. So I kind of got drawn in that direction. And uh, let's see, I ended up moving barns and I was then on the other side of the uh, of Mount Diablo and riding with some other trainers. And they were, they were more into young riders and like the further of eventing and not so much pony club. Um, so my focus, you know, got more into the competition side of eventing instead mm -hmm. of, you know, just preceding the, the ratings and all that. Did you and make, I did became you one of the older kids, you know. I, I always looked up to the older kids that were there. And once they were kind of gone, they all went to college. Then it was like I, when I became one of the older kids, I wanted, to, I wanted to have people to still look up to. And I wanted to, you know, keep pushing that. So it was like I, I stayed in that place. You know, I didn't just become one of those older kids mm -hmm. and stay there you know right. yeah that's smart mm -hmm. that's good for your progression yeah i mean i, I look at it different ways I, I wish i would have finished pony club and got like all the ratings but you know that's just the path that i got taken in you know yeah mm -hmm. sure did you make it to young riders no i didn't no, no. I, I almost did but i didn't and then so now so now that was like up to, you said like about 15 or so. How did you, like, what, did you end up going off to college or anything like that or? No. So I, I, I graduated high school and my plan was to move to LA because a friend of mine and her boyfriend had a condo that had an extra room and they were really close. They were going to college down there and they had a room um, that I could rent and it was really close to Jill Walton's barn. And so I'd gone down there and checked out Jill Walton's facility and I was going to go down there and ride with her. And, you know, I was super into it. And I ended up going to a, uh, I, I, I want to say it might've been my first actual three day long format. And, um, I took a couple horses to Colorado and it was at back then it was called high prairie. And, I went to that event and I was riding and there was somebody there riding from the East coast. Uh, his name is Stuart black. And you know, he, he won by like 20 points in the oh, two wow. <laughs> and he was from Virginia and I met him and he watched me ride and he offered me, you know, Hey, if you want to do this for real, you should come out to the East coast. We have all the best bets. We have all the best farriers. We have all the best shows. You know, it's where it's happening if you want to be real serious in the sport. And so he kind of convinced me a little bit. And after the event, I had my, my, uh, 
uh, what do you call it? You know, when you graduate high school, they, they have their senior trips, right? Yeah. Well, it, all the seniors were from my school were going down to Mexico because it's so close being out there in California. But um, my best friend in high school, his family is still and from uh, Sicily in Italy. Mm-hmm. And so we, him and I had planned, hey, let's, let's take three weeks and go to your parents' villa on the Mediterranean, hang out, oh. and show me around. So, <laughs> right. so after the event, I, I went, I drove home with my parents and then I flew over to, to Sicily and I got to learn some new culture over there for, for a few weeks, which I thought was a really cool experience and awesome. And then after that trip, I got home and, and I decided to fly out to Virginia and, and check it out because I'd never been to the state of Virginia. And I went to Stuart's place and I saw his barn and I saw the way he operated and I saw just how things were run. And it was very, very different than what I was accustomed to being on the West Coast and, and how the systems were out there and what I was used to. And once I saw that, I could tell that it was, you know, a totally different level. And I just I just jumped in head first. I said, all right, I'll, I'll commit. I'll come here. I'll bring my horses. Let's do it. So I think... Uh, Maybe a month later, I packed up everything. I decided to move across the country and become a working student with a couple of horses. Wow. wow. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. That Now, and how long did you stay with Stuart Black? I was there. I was actually with him on and off for, I don't know, maybe a year, a couple okay. of years, okay. something like that. Wow. Then, so I was with him, and then from him, I, I got hooked up with David and Karen O'Connor, and I was working student with them. And it was – David was still competing um, a little bit, and Karen was still hot and heavy, you know, at the top of her game. And uh, I went to, to Rolex a few times and groomed for her and helped Max, who was her main groom at the time. How about that? And uh, I think I shipped, actually, David's two horses – um, guilt hedge and custom made two Rolex for their retirement ceremonies uh, that year. How about that? I don't, That's I don't cool. remember exactly what year that was, but, um, I was working for them at the time. Wow. So that was, fun. I got to, I got to learn a lot and see how they did things and, and, you know, how they did it and be in their program for a while. So that was pretty neat. That's amazing yeah, to that's think really about. Cool. I mean, a lot of people are able to work for like an Olympian at the time, but you were working for these guys, two of them, like two uh, in their prime that's amazing Wonderful. yeah yeah so it was it was really cool because at, at the time that i was working for both uh karen and david and Stuart, they were they were heavily competing at the top you know like when i when i first moved into Stuart's barn i think it, it was in july in that month i think he went to training camp to go to the olympics that year wow that's cool and then and then when i was with karen and she was she was riding that you know every Olympics and world games that came around around that time. But yeah, it was, it was good. I liked Virginia. I, I, I spent a lot of time in that area and I, I still miss that, uh, that area, but now I call North Carolina home. Yeah. Nice. Well, when you worked for the O'Connors, was it like working for both of them or did you work for one or one, like David or Karen? More it was, it was no, at, at that time it was pretty much both of them. Okay. Yeah, they they've had their barns, um, you know, together, but also separate. If that makes sense. Yeah. The horses were were you know all on the same property, but maybe in a different barn or like very close proximity to each other, but you know different setups, and they each had their own groom. And then 
a working student. I just did what I needed anywhere. Gotcha. And yeah. now how long, like, what is that? Did you go from uh, working with the O'Connor sh- straight out to starting your own, your own business or how did, how did that transition take place? No. For, so from there, from them, I, I, one of the winters actually, I came down here to Florida and I got hooked up with Aaron Vale and I, I went and rode for him and he gave me a job and, you know, I, I went over there to ask him, Hey, can I, can I get a job riding for you? Cause he had so many horses. I mean, just incredible amounts. I don't even know how many horses and he always needed riders to help, you know, get them out and ride them during the week and show them in the ring sometimes. And so I went over there and he didn't know me from anybody. And I just said, Hey, can, can I have a job? And he said, okay, we'll come back on this day and you can ride a couple horses and I'll, I'll see. So I get over there one day and he puts me on these two horses and they couldn't have been more different horses. You know, one was this really super hot, small, just out of control little horse that, you know, was just really difficult to ride. And the other one was this really cold, heavy, slow footed thing that I don't know, just <laughs> got on and rode it around. And after, <laughs> after he saw me ride the two horses, he looked at me and said, okay, how many horses do you want to ride a day? Wow. Uh. That's awesome. <laughs> do you think he set that up on purpose to see if you can handle both different types of horse or was it absolutely, just- he probably put me on the worst two horses on the property. Yeah. So I rode there for the whole winter. It was probably four months or so. And got a ton of experience just riding and jumping so many horses and taking some in the ring and showing them it hits and, you know, just getting lessons from him and watching him jump the Grand Prix and what his techniques were and what he did with the horses leading up and, you know, after and all that. So that was cool. And then after that, I decided to go back up to Virginia for the summer. And that's when I branched out on my own for the first time and, rented a facility and I started a barn and I, I was friendly with Joe Farges at the time and I had him come over and look at everything that I'd set up. And then he had started recommending, you know, me to some clients and some people. And for a guy like Joe Farges, he, he was telling people, he gives me an eight out of 10 at the time back. This was like a 2005, I think. Um, of how my operation was in the in the barn and everything, so I thought from a guy like that, eight out of ten was pretty damn good. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's eighty percent. Yeah, that's solid. yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I could, I wish I did that good in high school. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, so that brings us to uh, today. Your current business. What do you have going on? Oh, um, let's see. I've got you know a handful of horses that I'm competing and campaigning that the goal is for the horses that I have, or I'm, you know, part owner in, in a syndication are to produce to the highest level and take them to the top. Um, and then I've got some young horses that I'm bringing up as, as well. Um, my wife and I did a little bit of breeding a few years back and, still are currently just with one broodmare. And so we're bringing those along as well. Um, wow. I've been, yeah, I've been teaching quite a few clinics. I go to Kentucky a lot and I go to Michigan a lot. Um, it's, it's kind of diverse because my wife, Danica is a show jumper now and she's been, I think since 2012 when she quit eventing 
And so <clears throat> with her doing the jumpers and the hunters 24-7 and me doing the eventing, it's it, it's just a lot. You know, there's a yeah, lot going yeah. on. She's she's doing, you know, all these shows in this other circuit, and I'm doing the event circuit over here. And it's like all of this stuff's got to run together. So it's 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 kind of confusing and complicated but we make it work you know we work really hard and we we cover everything and yeah is ocala like your 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 three months to three or four months to kind of actually see each other on a regular basis yeah so it's nice because danica does hits and it's right here across the street and she can you know compete there for whatever week she needs to it's 10 weeks straight and for me for January and February, it's very local events around here, so I just drive back and forth to the events. And then March is, you know, Red Hills was last weekend, so I went away for the weekend there, and, and I'm here this week to do Ocala this weekend, and then Tuesday I leave to go to Carolina, and so I'll be gone for that week, but then back. So it's it's nice because those few months, you know, everything's just right here and local, but then it starts to pick up where we start leaving, and then in the summertime up in North Carolina, it's a little tougher because most of the events are far away from me and most of the shows for her are far away for her as well. So we've got to both, both do more traveling and we have to organize it so that, you know, if I'm away, she's home or if I'm home, then she's away kind of thing. Right. Well, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And it's not because we have to be home, but it's nice because we've got so much going on that, you know, when I... I go out of town and I've got some horses that stay behind uh, you know, if they need really worked in a certain way, I know she can handle anything. And likewise, if she's away and, and there's some young horses or a client's horse or something that, you know, when she's away showing, then I can take care of that gotcha. when she's gone. So we make it work, but it's, it's, a, it, it, it can get hard at times. Yeah. yeah. That's tough. So, and, and when you, you said you did some breeding, so are the breeding horses just for you to keep in house or what's the plan of the breeding operation? Is that uh, for, for your own pipeline or are you breeding to sell? Yeah. So our thought process in the breeding was, um, you know, let's try to breed top horses. And if we, <laughs> if we get a super, super top horse, then we'd end up keeping it. But most of the time, you know, we can bring them along and sell them along the way, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the breed, breeding is really hard. You, you can breed a lot of horses and you, you don't know if you're going to get a four star horse. You don't know if you're going to get a Grand Prix horse. You just don't know, you know? Right. Yeah. And just because they're not a four star or now five star horse or a Grand Prix horse doesn't mean it's not a good horse. It's just what, what our goals are and what, what we want to do is one thing. And then what, you know, can be valuable to somebody else is a whole nother market. Well, sure. And there's a big marker for a solid prelim or intermediate horse, you know, like right. pe people buy them all day long. <laughs> you know, there's a exactly. lot of people wanting that horse, you know. Right. Or young rider's horse or, right. you know. Sure. Nice. Amateur horse for the jumpers. Or, right. Yeah. Wow. So we're, we're, we're trying to breed for the very, very top and, you know, just if they're going to take us there, great. If not, then we sell them along the way at once they're super trained or you know if they're really young we'll sell them if they if we if we find a really good fit but our our main goal is if, if and when we sell a horse that we never want it to go to a place where the people are unhappy or the horse is not being used for what it's intended for so 
we're, we're, we try to be really picky who we sell the horses to. And, you know, if, if a horse, if we do sell a horse and it doesn't work out, we tell everybody, just let us know. We'll take care of it. We'll take the horse back. We'll sell it to somebody else. You know, we, we, we want everybody to be happy. So our, our sales, you know, our goals are to sell everything to happy people and, and for them to be used for what their intention is. And if, if that's not the case, or say we sell a young horse and it doesn't work out, we're more than happy to take the horse back. We're happy to sell it again. We just want everybody to be happy and we want the horses to be happy in the right situations. Cause not all the time you sell a horse and it's, it goes and it, and it works out the way it was supposed to, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out and you've got to fix it. So it's horses. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> that's, that's the name of the game. If you, I think if anyone's ever been in that business, they know, I mean, you don't even have to be in the business to know that that's not, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I, I've sold a young horse before that I, I thought it was a perfect fit. And after a couple of weeks, it wasn't. And I was more than happy to take the horse back and, you know, find it a, a perfect home and, you know, make sure that everybody was happy. Yeah. And, and well, that's I, nice. that, that sounds great. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. Well, that kind of leads into the next part. Like you're teaching in your clinics. Like I, I wasn't joking in the beginning how you came very highly requested. We had multiple people message us and say, Hey, well, you got to get Bobby on your show. Um, you, but these were all students of yours. So can you tell us about your teaching and your clinic, um, you know, program? Yeah, sure. So as, as a young adventure in California, I took every clinic and every clinician that came to California you know, when I was younger, I, I mean, I can't even remember everybody, but I remember I rode with Jimmy Walford. I rode with Danny Emerson, Don Saichi, Blythe Tate came, Mark Todd came. Um, gosh, there were so many. Um, and I really enjoyed the clinics that all those guys did. And the only thing that I wanted to be different when I started doing my own clinics was... I wanted them to be a little bit more personalized to the rider and the horse. A lot of clinics are, you know, one lesson plan and, and that's, that's what they're going to teach. And that's what the lesson is no matter what. Mm -hmm. And so when I teach clinics now, I, I have a lesson plan, but if I see something that a horse needs or a certain rider needs, then I, I change my lesson plan on the spot. And I, I say, Hey, look, we need to work on this because this is a, B and C the problem. And this is what we need to accomplish. And so I, I try really hard to make sure that each horse and each rider get what they need out of the clinic instead of just having a lesson plan and teaching one lesson and having everybody fit underneath that. If that makes sense. Oh yeah. yeah that's awesome. Well, it's no wonder that you have such a high, you know. Well, it, and it's not just because I, I want to do it better. I, I do want to do it better, but also my my personality is I get I, I get too bored doing it like that, and so <laughs> I'm like, I can't teach the same lesson three times in a row. I'm like, I got to change yeah. it up, man. We got we got we got to do something fun or more. <laughs> we got to. You know, because the people watching, they're like, ah, we've seen this lesson already. You know, forget it. You know, it's right. like, come on. Do something new, do something different, make it interesting, you know. Let's let's have more fun than just one lesson, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Super, super. And then working students, do you take on working students at all? Like what's your uh Yeah, we've done a lot of working students. Um a lot 
come for just the summer, some come for just the winter, you know, it's, it, it's a kind of goes up and down, you know, depends on who wants to come and when and that kind of thing. Yeah. But yeah, we've had a lot of working students come. Some have come without a horse and, you know, we, we get them on some of our horses to do some of the fitness stuff and go out with us and I'll give them mini lessons on some of my horses. Um, and then the others who have brought their horses, they do a lot of riding as well. And then, you know, get lessons on their horses and take them to the events and that stuff. It's, it's fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We love the, we, we just think the working student route is just the way to, the way to go. I mean, well, you get to learn, you get to learn so much. And, and honestly, the, the, with the price that everything is now, I mean, you don't realize what you're working off. Like if I tally up what my working students get, it, it's, it's over $4,000 a month. Really? Wow. So, wow. If I, so if I was billing them like a normal client, it's over $4,000 a month of what they're getting. And I don't know what job they could get that could pay them that for them to be able to still ride their horse as much as they do and learn as much as they are when they're with us. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Heck yeah, Jeez. four thousand bucks. Yeah, we can't afford that. Heck no. <laughs> you know, with the with the ship yeah, with shipping to events and you know, daily lessons and, and rides and in living and everything. I mean it's it adds up fast. That's oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. It really does. And I mean I know there are a lot of people out there that they're you know, they are paying to kind of be full time students mm-hmm. at places too, but you know, not everybody has that resource of right that type of money. That's uh that's a lecture we don't have. <laughs> We're working on it though. Right. Hey, Podcasting, it. Bobby. Doesn't pay quite I know you're thinking big time podcasters, we gotta be rich, but <laughs> just, no, not, no. just not the case. Not the case. Hey, real quick, we kind of glossed right over like your four star career. Um right. Yeah, you know, you've been around in Kentucky a couple times. I mean, like you've uh you've been around, buddy. This is uh are you or, do you have a horse that you think you're ready to kind of come on back and get back up to, to Kentucky and, and beyond or yeah, I mean, I so I, I've been around Kentucky four times now, and I had to retire him what year before last, and I didn't have to, but we Danik and I chose to because he was eighteen years old when he did his last four star, and we both felt like he had given us everything he could. And there was, I mean, the last year was the roughest because I had broken my ribs right before. And I, I you know, he, the, the horse was, was in the best shape and ready to go and the most trained he's ever been. And two weeks before I, I crashed cross country school and broke my ribs and, oh. and collapsed my right lung and oh. was in the hospital. And it just, it sucks to be honest. I mean, it was a miracle that I still rode around, but you know, I had everything lined up for it to be our best year. And then that had that happened. And then obviously it wasn't our best year because I didn't even ride the horse the last two weeks. And, uh-huh. um, I got on him the first time after the jog on the Wednesday and then rode, rode the show, but, um, and competed, but you know, I was, I, I did it because I knew it was his last four star because, you know, we had decided before the show, we decided before that season that this was his last season of eventing at this level because, you know, he had given us everything and and he couldn't give us any more and, and we didn't want to run him until he couldn't go anymore. We wanted to let him have a, 
you know, super retired life of, you know, being an elderly horse and which he is now. He's 19 this year and he's, he's running around in the field and he's sound and he's happy and who knows how long he's going to live. But I, I wasn't going to ride him until he couldn't go and then not have a good retirement, you know? Yeah. Right. Wow. So with saying that, I, I had hoped that, um, a couple of horses that I had at the time were going to fill his shoes like quite soon. I knew I was going to miss one year, which was, which was last year. And I was hoping to make it back there this year, but that didn't pan out so well. So, you know, I'm sometimes the horses that you have and you get to the three-star level or now four-star level, um, you know, people don't understand that there is quite a big jump from the, the advanced level to the actual, you know, big time level of, of doing Kentucky or Rolex or badminton or Burley, you know, like some horses that can go around the advanced and even the now four star shorts doesn't mean they're five star long horses, you know? Right. So, so even though I have had some horses that, you know, I've gone around Last year, they were CIC three stars, um, you know, just not quite at that at that quality level of being able to, you know, be especially be competitive at, at a show as big as Rolex or now Land Rover. So anyway, I've got um, I've got a little mare called Fortuna that I've had since she was two and she did her first advanced short trials last summer. And she's going to do some, uh, I keep wanting to say CIC three-star, but they're now four-star shorts. Right. And this whole this whole new system is really just screwing with my head. But, um, <laughs> everybody. Everyone. Everybody. You know, we, we were at Red Hills, and it was so confusing because it was the first time anybody's had to talk about it, right? And so <laughs> I, started, I started telling everybody, okay, this is what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it the green star. Okay. <laughs> nobody, nobody will get that wrong. It's the preliminary FEI. Green is the color. Okay. So green. I, I said green star, red star, blue star, and big time. All right. There you go. <laughs> so we need to bob you on the committee when this was being renamed. <laughs> right. I mean, you can't go wrong if you call it by the color because everybody's going to understand. Right. So. Yeah. She's gonna she's gonna do some blue star shows this uh, <laughs> this, <laughs> this year. <laughs> And, uh, you know, she's still young and she's still green and she hasn't run a lot of distance yet. I did, I've done a, um, I did the CCI two star, um, at Montana last year with her after I'd done some advanced. And so I'm pushing her along and, but then I'm dropping back to do the long, um, CCIs, but, you know, possibly next year or the year after she'll be ready. Cool. Awesome. You know, I, I, I've already been there, kind of done that thing. And so for me, even though I want to ride there really bad every year, it it's not really for me to want to go there just to go around and complete. Like I want to go there and be super competitive. Heck yeah. Yeah. And so in my opinion now, I think this age does this to you a little bit too, is, you know, it's more important to me to go go there and do well than just go there and go around some more times, you know? Sure. And so to do that, my, my theory now to get these horses that I have there now is to just take it a little slower with them and train them and and get them 
so that when I do get there, it's going to be easier for them. It's not going to feel like, oh my God, I just, you know, had to reach to the bottom to give you all that, even though they still might. I just don't want to go there and, and, and make it feel like they're trying to kill themselves to do it for me. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think it's real. So maybe we'll see you at the fair hill in the fall with this one. Maybe. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Well, then again, Ocala's got that. What? Well, whatever the the old three star. So I guess Ocala the Jockey Club now has it. Yeah. So, but hopefully you come up fair. We live right. Yeah, Fair Hill, so that's I, probably. <laughs> I like I like Fair Hill. I mean, I Fair Hill is one of my most favorite events, other than Kentucky Horse Park, uh, the the big one, and then Bromont and Fair Hill. Those are my top three that I I just. Those three venues with those courses and the atmosphere, those are my three favorite. Awesome. You got to come on this continent. Get your crab bisque in Maryland. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's you got to go to that. <laughs> it's the best. Yeah, remember that that restaurant there in, in uh, Delaware, right across the border. That's the best restaurant. Which the Blue Crab. Hmm. I don't know. That blue one. Crab Grill, I think it's called. The Blue Crab Grill. We got to look in that Delaware? up. Delaware? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, if, you, if you leave Fair Hill and you had. You had uh, a little northeast, you cross into Delaware, and there's a little restaurant everybody goes to. Huh? I, th- I swear it's a blue crab. Inn. We I'm live here. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's been ditching. No one's told oh, us man. the cool spot where all the riders go. <laughs> yeah, that's the cool spot where all us riders go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna look into that. We're gonna look into that because I've never heard of that. One. That's so funny. Okay. <laughs> all right, so Bobby, we're gonna have a little bit of fun. We're gonna do. Yeah. Uh, it's called quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. Five questions. All right. <laughs> Just five questions. Uh, you can answer answer them as fast or as slow as you want. So they're not, it's not really that quick. Um, okay. But we are grading you on <laughs> yeah, your answers. Yeah, you are great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have any hobbies besides riding? Yes. I I love to surf. Oh. When I when I lived in California, the last time I moved, well, I I, I left Virginia in two thousand. 14 and I moved to California and I was there for a year and one of my customers at the time husband taught me really how to surf out there in Santa Cruz and it was incredible so surfing is like my number one hobby for sure that's awesome Hmm. although being where I'm at I don't get the chance very much because I'm not on the ocean or close to the ocean very much and um so it's slim, but I love, love that. Um, and I still try to play the guitar. I, I'm self-teaching myself. Cool. It's probably going to take me 30 years to play one song. <laughs> but but I did learn how to play Silent Night last year, and I played it on video and sent it to my mother for Christmas. Oh, oh that's nice. That's and nice. Now, and now my wife hates the song Silent Night. <laughs> <laughs> because I probably played it a thousand times over and over and over until uh, she was sick of it that's it. but i'm sure your mom probably i'm sure your mom was probably melting over it she uh, got the finished product so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh that's funny okay yeah. all right if you could ride any horse past present or fiction who would it be oh wow that's an amazing question That's a hard one. <laughs> you can do a pass. We can give you a pass if you Well, want. I'll tell you what. 
if if I I mean that last season I had with Token in the cross country, if I didn't have to make the time, say it was just a a really hard track and it was you know an advanced three day, and the time didn't matter because I really struggled with that horse making the time because he wasn't that fast. He jumped really good and he was a little slow here and there. And every time I tried to really make the time is when we had trouble because things would go wrong. But galloping that horse cross country, he gave you the this most incredible feeling of ease and just effortless jumping and uh, amazing gallop. And it was just, at the end of his career, it just got to a point where it was just amazing. You just wanted to gallop down and jump the course and just cruise around. It was just a blast. So. I would take another ride on that horse any day. That's cool. That, yeah. Great answer. Not in the dressage, but definitely the cross country. <laughs> All right. Yeah. If you were not a rider, what would you be? Oh, my God. I tell, man, she's brutal, isn't she? I, I tell not. you, I tell people. They think <laughs> she's sweet and then she throws these toughies out there. <laughs> what would I be? My God. I don't know. That's it. He's destined. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's been nothing in my life that was a you know a, a, a question or a something to be. So I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I, you know, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a fighter jet pilot. Oh, there you go. Good answer. But I don't. I didn't have the good uh, good enough eyesight um, as a kid. So they told me there's no way you can fly jets because you don't have twenty twenty vision. Hmm. hmm. Going to crush a kid's dreams, Karen. I know that's sad. <laughs> that's that's okay. I thought I, I thought flying jets in, in combat would be really cool as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. heck yeah. <laughs> now they don't, they don't do that anymore anyway, but it would still be cool. They don't. No, I mean, when was the last time you heard of you know fighter oh. jet fighting Secrets. in the sky? You know, I was a Marine like, brother. That's still happening. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe they're just not telling us. Yeah. Trust me, there's uh, there's stuff going on out there. We just don't hear about it on the news. Okay. All right. <laughs> it creates create too much turbulence on the main. We won't be able to handle what we what's going on out there. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, do you have any good luck or superstitions before an event? Oh man, um, she's tough. <laughs> yeah, so at, at Rolex uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine who lives there gave me a Kentucky coin. And on one side, it has the state of Kentucky. And on the other side, it has, um, I think it's a like a state trooper or something on it. And he told me to carry that for good luck. So I would put it in my, my jacket pocket oh. for the jogs. And... You know, I'm not I'm not into a lot of the superstition stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, as far as far as good luck charms and that kind of thing. But every now and then, I find myself if I jump a clear round, I take my tie off and I leave it tied, and I go, "Okay, I'm gonna leave that one until I until I knock one down." That's, that's <laughs> smart. That's that's you know? brilliant. I can but get behind that. I don't think it, I don't think it works because every time I knock something down, <laughs> I still I still find myself wanting to do it. You know, I think that's I can get behind that superstition. Yeah, I, totally. I like that one. I would totally be hooked on that. If yeah. I rode and I jumped, I would definitely. <laughs> I can't find a horse to fit me, Bobby. No, that's my stop. problem. Oh man! 
All right. So you named uh, a couple events that you're favorite, but you got to name your top, top, top event that you uh, got to pick number one. Got to pick number one. Which number one. one. Which one's yeah. the favorite? That I've ridden at? Yeah. I mean, I have to say Rolex because riding there and, and being at that venue and competing there. I mean, no, nothing comes close to that. Yeah. Awesome. Good uh, it, it has to be. I mean, the atmosphere, the crowd, the people, the the TV cameras, the it's just a whole nother level, you know? Yeah. It's That's just awesome. amazing. That is so cool. Well, Bobby, yeah. you passed. You, you passed. You passed. We'll give you, you made it. eight out of ten, Karen. Eighty percent. Eight out of ten. So, Bobby, do you have any advice for uh, a young rider wanting to make it in the sport? Absolutely. Um, you know, that's a very tough question, but, you know, a lot of people just say keep working hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And, and you know, that can be misleading at times because you could think you know how is just this hard work going to get me anywhere Mm -hmm. but it is true if you just keep working hard and you keep your head up and you you keep you know looking at the good opportunities that come up you know even though they may be few and far between you you take those opportunities and you make something good come out of them and, and you meet people and you you're nice to people and you're you know, pleasant to be around and, and all those right things, are, you know, with working hard and staying positive and never giving up. Um, that's how you make it because I'm sure if you talk to anybody, including myself, there's always been times when you want to give up because it's that bloody hard. Mm-hmm. And um, when, it get, when you get to that point, you just chill out and you just go again and, and you know, um, I'll tell you a little story, which, which may be a little inspiring, but I, um, this was one of the Rolexes I did, uh, it was the year I moved to California and we were there and we had an awesome business and great group of people and things were amazing and then things were not. And we had to make a really tough decision to leave California and we had, you know, to upset everybody by leaving and tell them that we were leaving and. You know, we had to start, move back across the country and start over. And this was in April. And this September before that, I had fallen and broken my leg. And I didn't ride for five months. I think I was off, five or six wow. months. And I hadn't ridden at all. And Danica had done all the riding and getting the horses going. I had just been sitting on a golf cart with my leg up, teaching, teaching, teaching. And then I had to go through a lot of rehab because I had ripped uh, my MCL and my ACL and my leg was Mm. messed up. And so it wasn't just a broken leg. It was like a mess. And uh, so Rolex was coming up around the corner in April. And here it's it's, uh, February, March. And I just got to the point where I started walking again. And I was really weak. And I I said, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to go to Galway in, I think it was March, and I'm going to run the intermediate. And then I'm going to go to Twin Rivers in at the beginning of April, 
and then I'm going to take that horse to Kentucky and go to Rolex. And wow. everybody was like, you're out of your freaking mind. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm, I'm going to do it. So, so Danica was riding the horse and getting him growing and I was doing the rehab and all that. And so the, the plan started out. Okay. I went to Galway and I, I cantered around the intermediate slow and, you know, I, I finished and it was fine. And then in between Galway and Twin Rivers, hit, my horse's uh, sheath got really swollen. And when I was galloping him one day, he just didn't have any gas. I was galloping and I'm like, God, oh, there's something wrong with this horse. It doesn't feel good. He must be sick. Something's wrong. So we did blood work and, of course, he had some sort of infection. We put him on antibiotics. And so he was just hanging out and we were just walking him, you know, and taking care of him and um we ended up taking all of our horses to twin rivers because it, in the in the midst there between those two shows is when we had to decide we were leaving california we were leaving our all of our business and we were you know hitting rock bottom again and having to move across the country and start over all over again for like the fourth fourth time with three trucks and trailers mm. at least six horses and all of our junk packed in a camper and so we we went to twin rivers with all the horses and the horse still had his sheath was still swollen he still wasn't right and you know we were giving him the antibiotics and we were still walking him around you know and they were thinking there's no way i can go to rolex he's he's sick he, he's not galloping you know he's not fit there's mm -hmm. just no way and so at, at the competitor's party at the dinner, I, I had to sit down and tell everybody there's no way I was going to be able to ride because the horse, you know, ha has this infection and he's still sick and, you know, he's not fit. I have missed like three, four gallops and my leg was still so weak, you know, I just, there's just no way. I was just, you know, thinking there's no way I'm going to make it. Right. And because I know how hard that show is. I know what it takes, you know. And uh, so Sunday rolled around the next day, and miraculously, the horse's sheath was normal huh. overnight. And we had him on antibiotics for all that time, and we had him on our supplements, you know, that boost the immune system, APF. And um, I, so I see his sheath, and I'm like, oh, my God, no way. <laughs> so then I start thinking like a crazy person, you know, I'm like, <laughs> if I gallop him, and he and he feels really good, like, then I can, we can ship out there, we'll, it'll take us three days to get there, I'll still have one gallop before the jog, two gallops, you know, maybe I won't make the, the time, of course I'm not going to make the time, but maybe I can finish. Yeah. And so I'm like, going back and forth in my head, right, talking to myself like a crazy person, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh God, do I ask my wife, what do I do, because she's going <laughs> to think I'm nuts, and she's going to say, no freaking way that's insane <laughs> so i say finally i go okay you're gonna think i'm nuts but what do you think if i gallop them today <laughs> you know then we ship i still have a gallop on sunday before the jog i could make it and she goes yes and i'm like whoa <laughs> i was totally totally prepared for no no way you know and uh you know i said I'm going to, I'm going to get on him and I'm going to gallop him. And if at any moment he tells me I don't feel good or I don't want to do this or anything, I'm just going to stop. 
You know what I mean? I wasn't mm-hmm. going to push the horse. I was just going to, I was going to let him tell me what he wanted to do, you know? And it wasn't like the horse didn't get ridden the whole time. I still had him under saddle walking and just like staying really chill because of the infant still like walking so that his tendons and ligaments and everything stayed tight and, you know, just praying and hoping that this infection would go away. And so I get on him to gallop and I, I start the gallop sets and I, and I do the whole workout. And the whole time I'm thinking, okay, you just let me know. And he went through the whole thing like a champion. Never once. He pretty much drugged me around the whole thing. Wow. Huh. And he pulled up great and he, he came out of it great. And we took care of him afterwards and, you know, did everything right and did all the therapies and stuff with him. And the next day we had to ship across the freaking country and we drove <laughs> three days to Kentucky where a friend of mine put us um, at a, at a nice racing barn there in, um, next to the horse park and you know i was like oh man okay we're gonna have to just see how the next few days go because we got there on like this the weekend before so i had like friday saturday sunday monday and then we had to check in on tuesday um for the in barns to jog wednesday and so i had a few days just to keep it light and then i had a gallop there in kentucky at this farm and i said okay i'm gonna get on again i'm just gonna see just can see what he tells me, see what he does, you know, and every day was nerve wracking as can, <laughs> you know, just like as little riding as possible, but you know, we're just going to take it one day at a time. And if we make it, we make it. If we don't, we don't. Mm-hmm. And you know, to, to be in that state mentally is really, really tough, you know, trying to think, okay, am I going to ride? Am I not going to ride? Mm-hmm. What, you know, yeah, people sure. are flying out here. I mean, all the sponsors are there. I mean, it's a big deal. And so he did the last gallop. He, he, everything was going well. So we check in. We, we start the event. Um, you know, I always gave the horse fluids before uh, cross the IV fluids. And, you know, we get through the dressage and they go to give him the fluids. And he has some crazy reaction to the fluids. He was like shivering and shaking. Oh. And we had to put blankets on him and get him warmed oh, up and all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What is going on? Like all this weird stuff was happening, you know? And <clears throat> we took blood and we, we did all this stuff, that, you know, during the event just to make sure that he's healthy and happy and everything was fine and everything checked out. So we're like, okay, we're going to run the cross country. So cross country days up and the course is stiff as can be, as you know. And it's pissing down rain. I mean, oh, man. no breaks at all. Coming down. It's, it's, it's half a foot deep of mud. And I'm in the warm-up, and I'm getting ready to go to the box. And from the time I broke my leg to this very moment, in my mind, I was like, I got this. No problem. Well, when I finished my warm-up and I started to walk to the box to start the cross-country, was the first time that I thought, oh, shit. what if if my what if my knee and my leg doesn't hold up around this whole course like this is a long course and it's still it's still a little weak it's still a little shaky what's gonna happen if my leg doesn't hold up you know right and it it entered my mind and then i just had to take it and throw it throw it in the garbage you know i just said you know what forget it you're gonna ride every jump and just take every jump in stride and just one jump at a time. And my goal was, okay, I'm going to take this cross country the same. I'm going to take it one 
step at a time. And if the if my horse tells me I can't do it or I, I, I don't want to go anymore, or if he tells me anything anywhere around the course, I'm pulling up because mm-hmm. it's not worth hurting your horse to complete a show, right. you know, hands down. And so I was thorough, thoroughly prepared to pull up at any moment. And I leave the box and I start jumping. And I'm executing the plan. Everything's going great. And the coffin was like fence seven that year. Fence seven or nine or something like that. It was early on in the course. And it was the meanest coffin I've ever seen in my life. And everybody was having trouble there. And I was like, oh, man, I got to get through that coffin. So I get to the coffin and I jump through it. And it was absolutely incredible. The horse just nailed it, killed it. It felt amazing. And I land on the backside. And I see Malcolm Hook standing in my path, and he's waving the red flag or check it, whatever the colored flag was to pull oh, me no. up. And I'm thinking, oh crap, what's up? And they were they were stopping me because Francis Whittington, further up in the course, had you know wrecked the corner, and they had to rebuild the corner. Oh. And so I'm thinking, oh man, man, this is awesome. I'm getting a huge break. You know, <laughs> right. I get to rest my leg. My horse gets to catch his breath, and I get to start over. This this could not have happened at a better time. <laughs> so I get like a 10-minute rest, you know? Oh, yeah. And then they start us over again. They start us up, and I get going again. And, you know, I get another halfway around the course, and it's starting to get to the point where you're like, okay, now the horse is getting tired. I'm getting tired. You know, he's not that fit. I'm not that fit. My leg's a little weak. The footing's getting deeper and deeper and deeper. I feel him starting to slip. I get to the double corners. We have a little slip in front of the first double corner, and I'm like, oh, man, and we barely oh. make it out. You know, we get oh. we get the two strides done, and we're like, oh, crap, what happened? Make it on the other side. And then I'm like cantering up the next hill after the footbridge and get the bank done, and I go around, and I'm like, oh, man. He's... I kept asking myself, okay, are you tired? Like, are you dying? <laughs> and And he's like, nope. I'm tired, but I'm, but I'm fine, you know? I'm like, okay. So I keep checking on him, you know? I keep, like, mentally making notes, like, hey, how you doing down there? And he's telling me, I'm good. I'm tired, but I'm good. Okay, me too. So we keep going. And uh, I decided to take one of the options later on in the course, like, probably the last quarter of the, of the course, there was a corner. It was a really tough corner question around a bend. And so just for, you know, trying to save him, I took the option and, took a couple seconds extra time but it was no big deal and then totally nursed him the way home and I get to um I get to the finish and the year before was my first four star and I, I had the best ride of my life and I fell at the last combination two fences from home and it was clear and sunny and beautiful and then bam you know yeah so so I I get to I get to the last fence and I'm like Oh man, you've got to jump this last jump. You just have to, right? And so I jumped. I jumped the last fence, and I, I canter through the finish. And my wife's there, Danica's there, and Max uh, was grooming for me at the time, and she's there. And and I, I'm crossing the finish, and the the amount of emotion that came over me was just incredible and and huge. And you know, I just couldn't believe that the horse had finished. I couldn't believe that I had finished and made it with my leg and the sickness and not running and running, and, you know, all that crazy stuff and moving across the country because the business fell apart and, you know, just 
all the drama and all the stuff that went wrong just to keep pushing through and pushing through and, you know, not being stupid, but, you know, being hardworking and and determined and, and, you know, wanting to, to continue um, is the only reason that we finished and made it. And so if you ask me about, you know, advice to anybody young coming up in the sport, that story pretty much sums it up for me. It's like, you, you try not you try to make the best decisions you possibly can and you try to always do the right thing and you work your butt off and you you got to push through things that you thought you could never do because that's what gets you there heck uh, yeah that's a great story hey, it's absolutely awesome story how'd you do on show jump today did you finish wait, where, where'd you end up finishing how the horse come up but i gotta know the whole yeah <laughs> i gotta know i think yeah, I think I, I, you know, I can't really remember because I had four rides there with that horse, and I can't remember everyone. Um, you remember, I remember what happened to Fence Seven, funny. but not, not how. You- <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's, it's hard in my mind because I, I, I probably, I, if I'm right, I don't want to misspeak. You know, I think that year I had two down. To be honest, I oh, had a good awesome. round, but I had two down because he was tired. Um, I'm pretty sure that was the case. I think I had two down in the show jumping, which was. Which was not bad. I had a nice round and I had two rails. That's yeah. amazing. Aww. That is fantastic. Great story, Bobby. Yeah, great story. Thank you so much, man. That's true, man. I mean, it just it just shows all the just how you just got to keep going and keep trying to move forward. That's right. amazing. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. So Karen gives you all the tough questions. I'm gonna. I'm, oh, we're, stop. We'll start. <laughs> we'll start. We'll start winding. That is fantastic uh, advice. I love it. Uh, we'll start winding things down. Um, we always like to, as we start kind of winding down the interview and everything, we always like to acknowledge any supporters or sponsors that you guys, you and you and your wife Danica, have behind you uh, in in the business. Yeah, I'll I'll give a shout out to the list of sponsors that we we have. You know, we're we we would like to thank Antares. Castell, Denmark, Professionals Choice, Choice of Champions, Coat Defense, Gumbits, Sam Shield, Struck, Bridges, Nupa Feed, GGT Footing, EcoVet Fly Spray, Equivisor, Classic Equine Barn Equipment, C4 Belts, and CV Tire and Brake. Awesome. Oh, nice. That's a nice list of sponsors yeah, you sure got there. Is. You got the GGT in there too. I like uh, and struck bridges. I and like struck them bridges. too. Yeah, those are good. But the GGT, yeah. that's good. I mean, a yeah, footing yeah, sponsor. Yeah. That's that's awesome. That's uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff. Everyone needs a footing sponsor. We actually just saw them talk, talk to those folks at the Horse World Expo the other week. Good people. Nice mm-hmm. product too. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And uh, as far as like people do, um, you know, follow you along on a social media or a website or anything like that. Do you uh, do you have all that stuff going? Or you have a website? Oh yeah. What do you? Oh got? yeah. The web- website is meyerhoffshowhorses.com mm-hmm. um i'm occasionally on facebook and we have a meyerhoff show horses page on facebook awesome. and we've got instagram the instagram is meyerhoff show horses that's it yeah, yeah. nobody uses twitter and i don't think yeah. Yeah, twitter. Yeah, we I got think so. one but Nobody's eating. The vendors don't Twitter. The vendors don't tweet. So. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, you know. Some people use it a bunch. Some people use it just a tiny bit, and some people aren't even on there. Nah, yeah. it's horse people aren't there yet. There, you know, for me, it's hard because we're so busy riding and teaching and, and business and all that. And then to be on six different social medias, I mean, oh, yeah. I don't care how anybody does it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with, how many horses do you think you're riding a day? Well, it, it depends. I mean, 
right now we have 25 horses here in Ocala, and there's me and Danica and a couple of girls who are working for us, nice girls. And, you know, we had a, we had a couple other girls helping us last month as well. But for the time being right now, there's 25 horses, and there's four of us. Oof. Mm. And Danica, Danica and I do most of the riding. Gotcha. Does Danica ever say if she misses Eveni? Does she ever want to come back? I've been twisting her arm to get her to come back. I told her I'd give her a horse, everything, and it's not happening. <laughs> She's not trying to turn you to the to the show jumper world, is she? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> is it ever? Is it ever seem attractive to you? You know, it's a it's a touchy subject with me because there's times in the year where I think about it a lot and. You know, eventing is a lot to ask of the horses, and it's it's a tough game. And, you know, show jumping at the top is, is really attractive. Obviously, there's lots of prize money, and there's, you know, cool places to go, and, and the horses are amazing. And so, yeah, it's, it's definitely attractive to me, and um, my heart's really in eventing, but, sure. you know, you just never know. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I used to say I was going to compete eventing until I was older than Bruce. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't think that anymore. I think, I think I'll, I'll be one of those guys that puts a cap on it at a certain age and then maybe just show jumps after that. Gotcha. Huh. Pretty cool. Hopefully yeah. someday we can get Danica on too, since she has an, a unique perspective, Karen of yeah, that'd be cool. eventing and then show mm-hmm. jumping. So yeah. run that by her. Yeah. I mean, she, she's, yeah, she would do it for sure. She's, she's ridden around, the old three-star level, you know, advanced uh, three days, and then has, you know, a whole new perspective in the jumper world, which is, you know, it's it's good, it's cool for me because I get to watch it, how fine-tuned it is, you know, when yeah. you just have one phase to focus on, mm-hmm. and, and one goal, and, and one aspect of the whole sport of eventing, you know, that's why they get so good. They... They ride and train and train and train these, you know, core things. Where in eventing, it's it's hard for us because we have to take so much time out of training with that horse to do all the other phases and all the conditioning and everything else. So it, it's it's very interesting to watch. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah I like to pick her brain about that and other show jumpers too because it's it is kind of cool. And you know, you can only jump a horse so much, so. Uh, you know, for and if, for eventing, you know, for the training, you can you know you have to train right. everything, and it's uh, oof, what that, that's why it's the best sport out there, though, Bobby, right? You know, because it's the that, toughest. That's right. <laughs> that's why we it, it draw it draws all of us people that just love to have a crack at it, you know. Yes, right. sir. Yes, sir. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for joining us, Karen. Was this yeah, awesome? This was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it was Bobby. great. Thank you so much for having me. It was nice to meet you guys, and can't wait to see you, at Caroline. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can leave us a review on Apple iTunes or visit us at MajorLeakEventing.com. Cheers.